Hello and welcome to the Cafe Binge podcast. You guys, it's been a minute since I've actually had a guest on the podcast. I've talked to you all in the last couple podcast episodes about how I've just not felt super aligned. Call it like 2020, call it COVID, call it quarantine. I don't know. I just haven't felt super aligned with podcasting. And in the last episode, I teased that it felt like things were shifting and that having guests on the podcast felt aligning again. And so today I have a guest and not only a guest, I have the most magical person on the show today. Might I add, it's my first male podcast guest. I have only had females, like for no other reason than I was dying to talk to certain females, but I have the most special guest on the show today, and I first learned about him when he was on Oprah's podcast, actually. I think this was a couple years ago, and as soon as I heard his message, I was like, hooked. I needed to know more. And so I ordered his books. I read his books and I knew that at some point I wanted to talk to him. Little did I know he would become a guest on the podcast and I would get to have such a dear conversation with him. So you guys, I'm very excited to announce Ainsley McLeod is on the podcast today. Ainsley is an internationally acclaimed past life psychic, a medium, an incredible spiritual teacher, and an award-winning author. He wrote the books The Instruction, The Transformation, and most recently, The Old Souls Guidebook. I have all of these books. I recommend them all, especially, especially starting out with The Instruction. This is the book that I heard about when he was talking with Oprah, and this is the book that got me like so hooked because... Ainsley specializes in exploring past lives and he does this to be able to heal trauma from past lives and to reveal your life's purpose here and now like why your soul came and incarnated here what is your soul's blueprint what are you here to do I love the book The Instruction because in it he talks about how old your soul is. I don't know if any of you have ever just felt like, almost like you didn't belong in this like reality. You felt like an old soul. This podcast episode is for you. In his book, The Instruction, he talks about old souls and young souls and the difference between them. He even gives a like numerical point for each of them. So there's ages one through 10 and you can be anywhere along the spectrum from a level one soul to a level 10 soul. And you can be living multiple lives in, say, like a level six soul. In the podcast episode, he'll get into this, but you can live a hundred lifetimes because your soul wants to experience things. Your soul wants like a master's degree. It doesn't want just an evening class. If your soul only had one lifetime here, it wouldn't learn very much. Your soul wants to learn and experience everything. 
It wants a very well-rounded education. So when he talked about the soul levels in Oprah's podcast, I was so intrigued because it kind of goes against what we're traditionally thought to think. I remember Oprah being so shocked because she was saying, Ainsley, you're saying that Mother Teresa is a level three soul. Like, what does that mean? Um, I remember when he gave Oprah her soul age and she's a level nine soul. He said she's a level nine soul and she's headed into level 10, which is kind of the end before you move on to the next, the next progression of our soul's journey. In this podcast episode, we don't go too far down the rabbit hole of soul ages. We talk a little bit about it, but you guys, I thought it was fascinating. I just want to like give you a, like a little blip in the book and talk about the soul ages. So level one is isolation, apprehension, simplicity, naivete. Level two is fundamentalism, nationalism, conservatism, discrimination, Level three, and I think this is why he talked about Mother Teresa, is level three is church, community, conservatism, conformity. Level four is religion, aspiration, morality, conservatism. Level five, ambition, materialism, power, mainstream views. Level six is unity, social justice, drama, self-questioning. Level seven is complexity, curiosity, creativity, intensity. Uh, A level eight soul is sophistication, liberalism, environmentalism, activism. A level nine, this is where he said Oprah was at, is spirituality, self-improvement, healing, idealism. And then level 10 is altruism, connection, eccentricity, inertia. So when I heard about this, I was so intrigued because I'd always felt like an old soul. And I think a lot of you guys can identify with that. I think I attract a crowd who feels like old souls, who feel like they maybe don't belong in a box, in the box that society lives in, right? We kind of feel out of place. We feel like we're old. We're interested in um, the spiritual world. So probably a lot of you guys can identify with this. And I felt like it was such a relief. I felt so understood as I read his book. And I understood that I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm exactly where I need to be. Because a lot of times, young souls will criticize older souls because we're different. And because we don't belong in the box that young souls paint for us. So I found so much, yeah, just relief in reading Ainsley's message that was given to him by his spirit guides. Along with the soul age, he also talks about in the book, The Instruction. Again, I would recommend ordering it from Amazon right now. Um, But he talks also about our unique soul types. From the book, The Instruction, I'm just going to read this very quickly. He says, your soul type gives you both the behavior and the trait associated with a particular type. There are 10 soul types each of which is named after its original purpose in the tribe. Every one of us has a central soul type that is the core of who we are. And then we have the influence of two of the other nine 
types. And so I see our soul types as kind of giving us like direction as to where we're going in this life and what we're doing here and what we're here to create. And so the soul types, I'm just going to read them out for you guys, are one, the helper, two, the caregiver, three, the educator, four, the thinker, five, the creator, six, the performer, seven, hunter, eight, leader, nine, spiritualist, and ten, the transformer. On Ainsley's website, I will link, by the way, all of his information, his website, his books, everything that you need to know about him in the show notes so you guys have easy access, but on his website, he has a quiz you can take, and this quiz will help you determine what your unique soul type is and those two other influences of the nine, right? But I also recommend, in his book, he lays out a very beautiful and simple meditation. And in this meditation, he helps you in intuitively tapping into both your soul age and your unique soul type. And I always like suggest feeling into something intuitively and then maybe taking the quiz after and seeing if it's aligning, but just really exercising your intuitive gift. Ainsley was an absolute delight to talk to. I think he's such a gift to our world. Um, Remember, to take an open mind into this conversation. If you've never even considered past lives or the soul levels, the soul ages, or spirit guides before, just go into this conversation with an open mind. If you were guided here, recognize that you were guided here for a reason, and maybe this conversation can be expanding for you to help open your eyes and your mind to who we truly are and where our souls have been, where we are going. Um, So yeah, I'm so excited for you guys to meet Ainsley. He is the most gentle, kind soul. I felt like I was talking to an old friend. Like Ainsley said, I feel like maybe he and I were part of the same soul family and we're just guided back together and we just had this beautiful conversation. I already want to schedule a session with him. I don't even think he's taking new appointments, but I for sure want to sign up for his online community. It's called the Soul World Community. It's a membership program. And as you'll find out in the episode, I really crave that sense of tribe and belonging. And I think it's so important. So This is something I'm definitely interested in looking into. I will post the link to that in the show notes as well, and he'll explain a little bit more about that. Um, But yeah, I so enjoyed this conversation with him. We started talking and talking and talking and realizing that we never even officially started the podcast. And so I'm bringing you this very organic and unedited conversation between what felt like two friends. You guys get to be a fly on the wall and listen in on two old souls talking and me asking a million questions as I do. So anyways, let's get to the show. Just a reminder, all of Ainsley's contact information will be in the show notes, as well as links to his wonderful books. Let's get to it. Oh, well, that's great. Well, well Ainsley, very nice to connect with you. Where, yeah, where, you where, where well. are you? I am in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, you are? Yeah. Right. Have you ever been to Utah? No, but my, my wife, Christine, is uh, she's from, well, 
grew up uh, in part in in Utah. No way! Did she? Yeah. She was at uh, uh, Kearns, I think. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Did she have any of the, I mean, this is kind of a personal question. Was she affiliated with like the religious group here at all? She, she, she wasn't, uh, she, she escaped, uh, you know, yeah. or the, you know, the family <sighs> bailed out and, uh, yeah, so it was quite, quite a big deal. So, so still some of the family are, you know, back there, they're st- still, still fiercely Mormon. Interesting. Uh, but, but she and her mother, uh, siblings, they, at different times, they, they all kind of left. How about you? What's your left story? as well, but raised in it. So yeah, she has a friend in me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, I should yeah. love to talk to you about that. Yeah, oh. she's even helped people who have made that leap, you know, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, helped. She yeah. in fact, was involved in a meetup group with uh, former Mormons, you know, how sometimes it can be very it's deep. challenging, you know, it's when, like, when they family yeah. rejects them and they they often go overboard you know like mm-hmm. with the pendulum is swinging both ways yeah. absolutely yeah yeah, yeah so. it's so interesting yeah i th- i feel like the programming is so 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 deep and so even after yeah. you've left and like you're welcoming all this new truth in like little things will just creep up so yeah honestly ainsley i feel like that's why i'm still in utah like it's a beautiful mm-hmm. land i love it but i also feel very called to be here just with that exit that so many people especially women are taking right now i feel like in utah there's been this like massive awakening with oh you 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 see like us an exodus from uh absolutely absolutely interesting absolutely and not i mean the church yes but also just patriarchy and um just very like you just like confinement and not being able to look outside of the box and um, religion versus spirituality. So I think a lot yes. more people are waking up to spirituality and realizing that like, oh, that doesn't have to be religion. And it can I be. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, I've often said when when your soul gets older, it, it really get, it gets that distinction very clearly that religion and spirituality are not the same thing. And old souls are going to come down on the side of spirituality. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the the church is going on, on, on one path. You know, it's kind of continuing as it always did. But the rest of the population is increasing. The consciousness is rising. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the longer time goes on, the more the church will look like a sort of dinosaur. You're I absolutely mean, when the patriarchy and yeah. all of the ways that have been done in the past are, are yeah. no longer serving I think it's, yeah, I think it's really tricky. I think so many older souls are being born into families of younger parents, maybe, when, if we're talking about soul yes. age. And so I think that's yep. why it's tricky is because you're, like, labeled as a black sheep when you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm just really, like, spiritual or, or feeling or intuitive. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's definitely. And that's exactly what's, what's, what's happening. Old souls being born into young soul families. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it gives the old soul themselves a springboard, something to push against and uh, and leave. And uh, it sort of pushes them out into the world. But it also is d- designed to raise the consciousness mm-hmm. of the, the younger souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, you know, usually what I hear from people is, well, I'm not sure I did a good job there. But, you know, it's you, you don't know. It's like they need to hear or need to be exposed to other ways of thinking as well. I think and, so as well. Do you believe in um like soul contracts at all where you and maybe you don't call it that but where you're born into a family and say your like father is a very young soul and 
you like challenge him in a way that makes him see and like without you being born into that family they wouldn't evolve or they wouldn't grow in a certain way or that's that's exactly how it. It. yeah you have agreements to do this you always choose your parents yeah and they they always choose you yeah and uh, you know that all surprises people that's where i get the the reaction from people when I tell them that is like, what, you know, what was I thinking? But if you look at your parents um, and what they have triggered in you, it tells you an awful lot about what you're, you're working on, what you're trying to heal perhaps in, in this life. You know, so like if you come into a very controlling family, then you've got something really to push against there and develop your own sense of self-worth and independence and become, you know, an empowered person. Interesting. Fascinating. Um, one little question about that. I feel like we're just like sliding right into the podcast. I will, of course, right. do an intro for you before, but I'm so okay. happy to have you, Ainsley, on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it, you're such a delight. I feel like I like know you already probably from reading all of your books, oh. but um, yeah. Probably you... same soul family or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. So along those lines, actually, I was wondering, talking about past lives and or just this current life, um, and choosing our parents, do you feel that, I know Ram Dass has said like we're kind of like a soul pod and you kind of like incarnate with the same pod or similar, that doesn't yeah. have to be all the people. So do you feel like I could have been with my parents for many lifetimes or do you not see it that way? Yeah, no, I totally see it that way. Um, the, the older the soul, the more you're looking to find members of the soul family. Mm-hmm. And the soul family are, the, are souls who came into this world around the same time that you did, which for old souls would have been five, six, seven thousand years ago. It's a long time ago. Uh, and you, you come in in a group, um, maybe a few thousand souls, and then you scatter. It's kind of like a horse race in a way. And, you know, some fall at the first fence and others get, you know, streak ahead. But you go off in your own paths. As you become a much older soul, uh, you're looking to keep continually reconnect with members of the soul family uh old friends old friends are souls that you've known in previous lifetimes and there's different reasons for doing that one of them is to that you can get to a deeper place of intimacy with souls that you've known before so um a lot of people you'll have in your life i I mean i just i was working with somebody just now her uh her sons she's got two two grown sons they were her children in a past life in the 1800s, they, they both died very young of uh, cholera in London, uh, 1800s. And so now the, the, the agreement is to come back. She's got a second chance to, to raise her kids and be together with the souls. They're all going to be around the same soul age, roughly, you know, to, to, um, uh, there's be some differences. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's like a horse race. So you get to the end at different stages. You know, some people... Have, have, have you know streaked ahead with with little in the way of fewer obstacles other people take longer to get there mm-hmm. beautiful yeah um i love your wealth of knowledge on everything with soul ages and past lives and past life trauma and um, before we get into that i would love to hear ainsley just your story of how you came into this work and, and accepting this work, because I know you call yourself a reluctant psychic. So yeah. where, where does your story begin? Did you grow up in a family of religion or were you a spiritual child or where did this start? When did it start? Well, I was kind of the weird kid, you know, it's like, uh, you, you know, and when me I... both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can relate. Um, yeah, I, in fact, I, I, 
I used to, when I would give talks, I'd carry a picture of the, the monsters, you know, the, the, the TV series. Did you ever no, see that? No, they're I never did. Anyway, they're a family of monsters, but they have one normal daughter. Um, but they feel sorry for her because she's not like them. They think mm-hmm. she's the one out of step, but she's actually the normal one. I used that picture to sort of point out how it is being an old soul in a young soul family. You know, that they think you're weird, but, you know, actually, they, you, you just are much older, more experienced. So, uh, you know, I came into a, a family, yeah, sort of n- not desperately religious, but my father, he was the son of a, of a, of a minister, and, uh, the, you know, I was raised going to church in, in a Presbyterian church in Scotland. It never spoke to me. I mean, I, I, right from the get-go. In fact, I remember having a conversation with my dad, uh, and I had to be around five when I said to him, "I don't want to go to Sunday school anymore. Uh, I just don't. I don't accept it. I just, I just don't buy all this stuff." And um, I thought I was going to have a big argument, you know, but it didn't. It didn't happen. Um, you That's, know, and he, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was. Well, it gave him an extra hour in bed on a Sunday morning, so I think that was part of the, you know. <laughs> but um, I, I had um, I had weird experiences growing up, but I never, it, it was never really, well, no one ever used the word psychic. So, and, and, and it was like I never thought of myself as being psychic. And I, I had these weird things like seeing ghosts or whatever. And I just put them down to, well, that was weird and can't seem to explain that. And How so on. old were you when you saw a ghost for the first time uh, that you remember? Well, I, there was something when I was younger, but it's a bit vague. Uh, the, the, the more significant one was I was about 16, 17, maybe. And uh, I was in the reference library in my hometown of Aberdeen. And uh, and it's sort of, I mean, it's, it's odd, but this guy comes up. He kind of looks like Humphrey Bogart. You know, he's got a, a hat mm. down like that. He's got Serious. like a collar up and his raincoat and asks me for a light, which is a bit of an odd thing to do in a library. But um, <laughs> and I, I was wearing this jacket I just bought. It had pockets all over the place. It had about 20 pockets, I think, in it. And I'm kind of looking for, from, I was smoked back then. I was looking for matches. And, and you know, so I looked for, for the matches, found them, and, and the guy's gone. And I'm going, well, that was weird. And it was years, decades later, when I started working with spirit guides. And I said, hey, remind me, what was that about? Uh, they said, oh, it was just a ghost. And, it was a, um, and I said, well, why was he talking to me? There was no message or anything like that. If she's there one second, gone the next. And they said, he just knew you could see him. That was all. It was a bit of an odd thing for a ghost to be asking for a, a light. Uh, it happened a lot more after that, or a few few times more. Um, and I also the, the the odd thing is I I, I spent um, about fifteen years after I left college in Scotland. I moved to London, and I had a, a few times where psychics would tell me that I was psychic and I should be doing something with it. But I didn't feel psychic. I never thought of myself as that. And uh, I'd, I'd really gone to great lengths to cover up. You know, as a psychic, you, you come into this world with a great deal of sensitivity. Um, it's how you get to be psychic. But it's a very tough thing uh, to deal with, you know, especially as a boy. And, and, you know, and depends on the culture. But, you know, in most places, it's not that, that easy to be a sensitive uh, boy. So I covered up. Yeah, and, uh, you were the normal it. one in the monster family, so of course you would. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, I was, I was, um, you know, playing, playing a role almost. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I would I have I'd have psychics telling me I'm psychic, and I got fascinated with psychics actually, and then a couple of major epiphanies. I mean, long story short, but I ended up um, on on the west coast. I moved to the west coast of the states, and uh, there had been a, a psychic back in England who had told me that I'd end up in California, and it seemed implausible. How was I ever going to do that? You know, it was maybe ten years before I did, and. Uh, and I actually heard the voice of the psychic. Uh, the, it was the first time I'd meditated in years. Uh, I had learned to do it probably 10 years before, but I'd had a very stressful life, and it was my first night in San Francisco. I'd moved from, from the West Coast, from the East Coast, rather. And, um, and I just thought, well, I need to meditate. And I literally heard the voice of the psychic going, okay, you're going to end up in California, nothing you can do about it. Uh, and... Uh, that was huge because it was like, uh, where the hell did that come from? I know it's not, I'm not going crazy, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I realized I hadn't done anything to fulfill any prediction. I just sort of ended up there. And uh, then the next uh, epiphany that I had was um, when I, well, I kept hearing from psychics that my uncle, um, my uncle John specifically, they would say, he's a spirit guide, he wants to work with you. Now, he, I was a non-believer. He was a non-believer. And Were you I really, close to him, though, growing up? Yeah, fairly close, yeah. He was, you know, favorite uncle and, and all that. But he lived in a different country, so, you know, didn't see that much of him. But always felt a, a connection. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, I ran into him in a bookstore in Hawaii. By that point, he'd been dead for 10 years, so it was a little bit of a shocker. You know, like suddenly yeah. uh, there he was and with a very, very clear message um, about wanting to work together. Now, when psychics had told me, oh, your Uncle John wants to work with you, he's a spirit guide. Well, first of all, a skeptic in me is going, yeah, I'm not sure I believe in spirit guides. And even if I did, I'm not sure he would be one. You know, he had no time right. for he's that. He's not sort a of believer, thing. yeah. And, um, you know, so... Did they name him though? Did they say yes, your uncle John? Yeah, I exactly. mean, that's a the pretty other, clear. No, but the other thing, what I was doing is, yeah, John. Yeah, John is John. You know, so, so yeah. So um, I love your skepticism though, Ainsley, because I feel like it's what makes you you. You know, you've like tested, right. you've tested it all because you didn't take it at face value. You were like, no, I'm going to fill this out. It's like you were very reluctant, and I love it about you. Yeah, I sort of had to be dragged, uh, sort of kicking. <laughs> A little bit, but it was after that encounter with my uncle, and he was—he was just there for like a second, but really three-dimensional. It was really weird, um, and then a message from him, which was a lot longer. It was like, a, you know, start working together. I want you to, you know, communicate with me, and so I—I I, I, it, it was just a few, like a download. You downloaded this, yeah, message. like a download, mm-hmm. absolutely, just like That's the knowing, the yeah. Yeah, and but very clear message. So it was through him that I started working as spirit guides and. Um, and then uh, I, I just practiced for a long time. Uh, I worked with my spirit guides for a couple of years before, three years actually, before I read anyone. Really? I was paranoid about getting things wrong. And I was teaching myself as well. Looking back, I could maybe done things a little faster if I'd maybe taken a course or something. But I was kind of figuring it out as I, as I went along. And uh, yeah, so I, I just then I started reading people and. Uh, you know, I mean, the first thing was that even when I first reached out to my uncle and said, "Okay, let's let's talk," I didn't really expect that I could. And then it was a shocker. You know, it was like a real surprise when I found that I could communicate. 
how did the messages come through? What was the like the shocker? I would say it was very it was very rudimentary stuff, and it took me ages. I mean, I if I'd been this slow, if I was still this slow, I wouldn't have a career uh, because it was like. Uh, trying to get words and trying to understand. But what uh, the first thing was talking to my uncle about planes that he'd flown during World War II, and that helped to validate things. Um, I found that validation came from things like I was able to um, talk to my dad back in Scotland and say, you know, so, so can I check out a few things about Uncle John? And, and you know, it were weird questions, but, you know, did he fly this? Oh, yeah, he did, you know, and and it, it all helped to sort of validate. And for the longest time, I would keep a dictionary beside me when I was working with my spirit guides because I have a reasonable vocabulary, but they would throw in words that I didn't know. And often they were the really appropriate word for the in the context. And that sort of helped because I kind of knew, well, that was not coming from me. I'd never heard that word before or it's not certainly not in my vocabulary. So uh, that, and I think once you start, once I started reading, People. That was where the validation really come come in because, you know, that's when you get the feedback where people say, well, you know, even my mother doesn't know that or I haven't told anyone that or all oh, that makes total sense or whatever. So it was it was a little uh, bumpy just to begin with, uh, just getting clear about what you know, the guides will call it my purview. You know, what's mm-hmm. my field of expertise? So to begin with, I was, um, uh, you know, I. I did things like finding missing objects, um, even. You mean like some someone lost their keys and they're like, I don't know, like yeah, is that what the, you mean? Lost the necklace. You know, okay. Found the necklace. Well, the spirit guides are going. It's not really what you want to do, and I'm like, man, it's, it's not really that satisfying. I try to um, well help find a couple of missing people, but <gasps> I really, did, yeah, I really did. They, I mean, they hadn't. I mean, they just run away from home, they were going to come back. So it wasn't really very dramatic, but I didn't want to sort of deal with the, the heartache, you know, what would happen if, if somebody's right. asking about a missing child and they're dead. I really didn't, it's just I didn't want to have to deal with that. So, you know, it, it took a little bit of work, a few months, just to try a few different things. Um, initially, the, the information would come to me in sort of one word at a time. That's why it's so slow. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it would speed up for, for a little bit of time. I would get a like a ticker tape sort of thing. It would almost like run run by my third eye. It was kind of like, you know, I'd get nouns and verbs. I could I could literally see. Is that where you see it? Is that where you like see the messages? Well, that was, for, okay. that was just for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and then it sort of changed to more what it is now, which they describe as the spirit guides I work with call it clear audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, so it's the, not the, audible hearing, but you hear it, right? Not exactly. That's so hard to describe. Because the, the old guy I went to see, the one who told me I'd end up in California, he had a spirit talking in his ear. And he literally would turn around towards that. And he'd go, oh, yes, yes, I'll tell him. Okay, you know, absolutely. And he's hearing it like loud and clear. Um, for me, it's more like a knowing, but I do get whole sentences. Mm-hmm. So in, in the moment of I... If I pitch a question to the spirit guides on behalf of a client, um, then in in that moment, all I get is whatever that response is. My, there's nothing else in my head, as it were. Um, and uh, like I say, they call it clear audience, but it's not hearing a voice, but it's certainly annoying. And 
Uh, and it's, I've really struggled to, to explain what it's, it's like, you know? Mm, yeah, no, I totally, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like it was slow, but I think about like a little toddler learning how to walk, you know, yes, and it's yeah. just little baby steps. And then it's kind of like a wobbly walk and then a faster walk mm-hmm. and a run. And it's your spirit guys were working with where you were, you know, where you're like spiritual, how strengthened yeah. your spiritual muscles were. It really is that, you know, I, I in fact, when I first started working with the spirit guides, I said to them, okay, I want to be as, as psychic as possible. Bring it on. And they said, mm, no, that would, that would not be very good for you. They said, you really have to approach this gently. You can't come in that strong initially. What I would find was, um, so it's interesting that I would, from time to time, I would, because uh, I would do things like medical research and you know, help with just, you know, getting information for, for researchers. And sometimes because then I'm working with kind of medical guides uh, and then the language, the, the, their vocabulary is not what I'm used to. Um, it was very intense and I would start to get an anxiety attack. Mm. Like halfway through the session, I'm going, oh, my God, you know, it's like this, this I can't do this. Mm. Um, uh, so there is a th- it is all energy and you have to be careful that you don't bring it on too strong what i'd be doing is like going, oh my god back off back off you know it's like mm. this too intense right now um so it was a you know it, it got to the point i mean certainly now i've been doing it for 20 years and it's just like reading a book or something it's uh you know for the longest time i had fears about well what, what if i get something drastically wrong or what if uh you know, send somebody off to, you know, relocate and they're not meant to relocate or whatever, you know, I, I was worried about those things. And now it's just uh, the, the clarity of the, the communication is, is such that, uh, you know, I don't have any worries about, oh, my God, what if I can't read this person or what if, you know, I can't get any information. It's just it's it's just easier and easier as the time goes on. Right. Absolutely. That makes sense. So when working with people, you were saying that you were trying to find like your area of expertise in the psychic mm. world, your niche. What is your niche now? Do you feel like if you could sum it up? Uh-huh. It's well, not medical. Niche, yeah. No, it's, it's really, um, you know, my, my, my specialty, my, uh, my purview, as the guys would say, is um, really helping people to uh, understand their life purpose by exploring past lives, particularly. Mm. So that was something that happened very, very early on, that I, I would start reading somebody. I even remember somebody saying to me, I don't want to talk about past lives. I I'm only interested in this life. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes, we're into a past life because you can't separate, uh, you, you can't really understand yourself without knowing uh, your past lives. You don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. Mm-hmm. And we're all so affected by our past lives. It, um, I really feel like if you understand reincarnation and past lives, it explains everything. I mean, really everything. There's nothing about we humans that can't be explained in terms of past lives. And so what 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 I do is I, I, I find out what a person, you know, what, basically who are you? Because your personality is even, even that's based on past lives because you learn to be certain things in past lives and you bring that into the present there's i have a whole system for explaining and expressing that and and so 
you know, I look at who the person is, what's in their life plan, what are they meant to be doing, and then go back into the past lives to find the, the, the blocks. Mm-hmm. For the last couple of years, what I've done is um, with really every first session I do with somebody, I'll, I'll just, before they even call, I'll find out a past life so that um, it's almost I, I, I'm forewarned and I, I know what's kind of coming up. And that's been fascinating, you know, to, to see. Um, how many past lives? I know my listeners are wondering right now, like, how many past lives do we actually have? Well, to, if you're an old soul, and that really just, you know, you just get to be an old soul by having lots of incarnations, you're probably talking about 110, 120 lifetimes. There's some, something in that, that region. Um, and, uh, you, you know, most of the people I work with would be sort of up around 100 plus. Uh, the, the people that are drawn to to this kind of work do tend to be older souls. Yeah, you know, I mean, the young younger souls, uh, they never come to me. I've never. I, I think they're really skeptical, people. and I think it's not even on their radar. I think it's they're not, so they're fresh here. They're just like, uh-huh. okay, what are we doing? So I mean, there's some, you know, some fear around what what I do and and so on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Um, Is it mostly like vital to work on, say, like the past, like? few lives that we've just come from if we've lived like a hundred plus are there like the most recent ones or the most vital yep. to heal and figure out is that how it works most most of the past lives that i look at are fairly recent i would say in the last 300 years mm. um it's a shame because uh i would like to learn more i've learned so much about history through working with people, but I've learned an awful lot about history in the last two or 300 years, and I'd love to learn more, but I really don't find, um, occasionally what what will come up is a very traumatic past life that hasn't been resolved or has been brought up, triggered by some event in this life, and that uh, that might take me back or even a thousand years, but it would be something very traumatic. It would be, uh, you know, torture or execution something or you know entire family massacred in front of your eyes something that's really majorly traumatic for it to still show up um but but that does happen but the the most amazing thing for me was to discover that by finding a past life and telling somebody about it that all sorts of blocks and problems disappear Fears, phobias, limiting beliefs, and even physical ailments. And uh, oh yeah, I mean, like you know, you find somebody who's been maybe they've been controlled by others in a past life, and you, you'll find that that that's you know a big thing. They go into this place of inferiority, victimization, uh, because of that in this life, and then. You know, I, I'll tell them about past life. The next time we talk, they go, oh, my God, my life transformed. You know, it's changed. Do you think I'm it's more... just knowing? It's just the knowing. Like, it, just yeah, identifying it's... it, and then you're like, okay, I can, like, it's, it's, self, simple, it's like dominoes I, falling into place it's after simple knowing as that. that. Yeah. yeah. And the reason it works like that is that um, <clears throat> although you might be on life 105, uh, your, your, your conscious mind and your body have died and there's so, you know so it's you know you have life after life after life but your soul is conscious throughout it doesn't die when when the, right. the rest of the organism does, does and your soul can't separate mind mind body and spirit sees sees it all as one but it also sees this as one long 
life. So it, it has some blind spots, if you like. And so um, what you do by airing a past life is you remind the soul that was then, this is now, that it's a past life thing that you're still holding on to. Mm. And, and then it's, uh, I always picture it like the soul going, oh, okay, great, I'll let go of that then. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not with any great fuss or fanfare, just a feeling of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've even found, I mean, I think one of the exciting things, I, well, I've written you know, quite a few stories about this that I put in you know, blog posts or in my last book um, about uh, people's children. I'll be working with a client who'll ask me about their, their kid. You know, maybe it's the child is having panic attacks or, uh, you know, nightmares or something like that. Or they, they have a terrible issue with separation anxiety or something like that. And so I will tell the parent and then I'll have the parents tell the child. So even if they're six months old, um, you can you can tell a, a baby about a past life. Now, consciously, they're not going to get it. Yeah, but their soul is. The soul will, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that soul goes, okay, well, okay, we're not going to be abandoned. That was a past life. Right. Why was, like, why would there be unresolved issue in a past life? Did the, the, the trauma always happen in death? And so you're, like, left, like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Or is it just anything that happened in the life that wasn't resolved? That's a really good question because um, certainly phobias are all death-related, mm. you know judgments from being uh, judged and executed in a past life uh, so there's all uh, different phobias but always death related um, but for something to rise to the level of being a past life fear it doesn't have to be related to death it can be associated with death but it has to be something that took your soul off the plan off its life plan oh. whatever it's intending for that life it has to rise to that level if it doesn't, it doesn't seem to show up. It stays below the radar. But it takes you, even for a short time, if it takes you off your, your path, maybe five years, you don't, you're don't you not able to do the things you were meant to do, that can show up as a, as a problem. But certainly if you have a disappointing past life, you, you know, something happened, a war came along and, you know, you lost your family and, and then you never do the things that you're meant to do. That's the sort of thing that will, oh, absolutely, that will. That will show up. You were totally taken off your life plan. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. Do you think that we know more than we think we know? Like if we look at like our aversions or our fears or things that we just have like an unexplainable like fear about, like does that make oh. sense? Like do you think that that would show us a past life that we need oh, to heal? Absolutely. Like we know more than we know based off of what we're experiencing right now. Well, people say, I, I don't remember my past lives, and I always argue that we do. Ooh, I think I do. You yeah. totally remember them. Maybe not consciously, but they come through your body. Um, all sorts of physical issues show up from past lives. Uh, migraines are often the result of head trauma in a past life. Abdominal issues from being shot. Uh, um, all sorts of things Um Heart issues can be related to um, intimacy problems, heart chakra issues. Um, I mean, there's not a part of the body that that isn't uh, where you can't find one of these Achilles body parts, an area of weakness. Mm. Uh, For example, I'll see this all the time. If somebody has died in a past life from pneumonia, smoke inhalation, emphysema, uh, lung cancer or TB or something like that, 
they'll have an area of weakness on the chest. And the, the weird thing is I come across this all the time is I'll ask them about childhood asthma. And people go, yeah, I had childhood asthma. It did go away. Like somebody actually this morning said to me, yeah, but it went away. And I'll go, yeah, that's fine. But that's what it's um, mm, That's what that's, it's showing that's what you. Mm-hmm. That's that's just a sign that there is that sort of weakness. Um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I think past lives do explain every little thing about us because there is almost nothing. I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm hard pushed to find anything about we humans that isn't in some way past past life related. The quirks and idiosyncrasies that that we have as well. You know why we're drawn to. Well, you know why one person is drawn to sailing. I mean. You couldn't get me on a boat to, you know, if you paid me. Like, <laughs> Did you have a past life? On- yeah, I had, I had a past life on the ocean, and it was very, very boring. It was not what I was meant to be uh, doing. okay. So, yeah, I went out, and a friend took me on a boat a few years ago, and uh, it was my first and really only time ever on a little sailboat. It was four hours. I described this as the longest two weeks of my life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it was just not where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And, um have you felt so, that in like locations as well when you or, like you go to a new place and you're like, oh, my gosh, this feels like home or like you go yeah. someplace and you're like, get me out of here. I feel like I have a really weird one where mm-hmm. whenever I go to like kind of like an old Western like ghost town or like even at theme parks like Disneyland has like an old Western part of it that's like cowboy i hate being there like you cannot get me out of there fast enough i do not like western pioneer villages and it's so weird to me (laughs) i I don't know i don't know what it is that's what i mean by these weird idiosyncrasies totally past life related why would you have that problem where thousands of people don't exactly and even as a kid i didn't like it i was like i want to go to the other part of the park i do not like it here oh i mean horrible past life in in the wild west you know i mean that that absolutely tells you that, that that's what happened. I find this all the time. People are triggered by revisiting places associated with trauma. Um, they also, you get the positive thing where you go somewhere or you're drawn to go somewhere. You know, I'll tell somebody about a past life. Uh, it could be like, let's say it was in China. And if it was a good past life, happy one, they'll say, oh, I've always wanted to go to China or Maybe, I, you know, oh, yeah, I studied in China. I went there, you know, I've been there a lot. Um, but also, I mean, it was something that happened uh, a few years ago when my wife and I visited uh, Paris. Now, I'd been to Paris many times, and it's a spiritual home. I feel very, I've had many positive past lives. But we had discovered that she and I had a past life there, which ended very traumatically. Yeah, oh, yeah, we'd been to a married couple. And for her, it was a worse ending than it was for me. We got caught up in like a sort of riot in the streets and um, she had a whole horrible experience of being dragged off and killed. And But like I say, she, she didn't know Paris and I did. We had a great time there. We'd been there for like maybe five days, uh, just loving every moment. And we we turned a corner, just out walking, we turned a corner and I realized, oh, we're just a block away from the, the scene of that oh, past life uh, on the Rue Saint-Denis. And uh, it was literally we turned the corner and it was as if, I don't know, everything turned from color to black and white. <gasps> like 
Wow. If it was a movie, you know, everything would see the music would sound somber. The and and my wife just grabbed my arm and she's she's going, I got to get out of here. Did and she it, see that shift too, or just you? You had? Oh no, no, no. We we, we both felt her. In fact, her much more than me. Mm. And she was going, I got to get out of here. And the moment we just back, turned back the corner again, got away from that reminder, it was like, oh, we can we can breathe again. Mm. But it was palpable. It was really, really uncomfortable. And that was the souls, both souls, but hers particularly, reacting really strongly to a reminder of the, you know, suddenly we're a, a block away from a place where this awful stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So did you, from that, did you know that you had healing to do or just knowing that you're like, okay, we're just well, we bringing already, light to it? Yeah, we had already found out that past life. And one thing that's uh, weird and to, talking about these idiosyncrasies, but my wife always had a, a horrible fear around sandpaper or Ooh. anything that's sort of like that texture Ooh. and couldn't even walk on sand. And uh, it was when we found a past life, it was it was this thing of being dragged along along the street. And uh, that was where this this texture thing came from and that disappeared the moment or pretty much shortly after we we found that past life and that but we'd done that before so it was just interesting we had worked through the past life but just being in that location it was that reminder but you know we went to other places we actually had the spirit guides choose the itinerary for us and so one of the places they wanted us to go we took a good long trip and we, That's we a really a, good trip idea, by the way. I'm like having all these ideas coming into me. Yeah. Well, every, everywhere we went, we'd had a past life. And so one of the places the, the spirit guide suggested we go is Turin, in the north of Italy. And, uh, you know, when I tell people, you know, I'd, my brother had been there. He's going, why would you want to go there? You know, it's industrial. It's like, you know, no one goes to Turin. And, uh, we went there and had a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. We felt it was like just, um, felt like coming home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it f- seemed familiar. We loved the history. I mean, it was just, we had an absolutely fantastic time. Mm-hmm. Same with the other locations that we went to because they were all past life related. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I have a, another little question about past lives, but because everything is just now, like time is nonlinear and, you know, our human brains like to think of like past Um, but is it possible that you can have a parallel life like at the same time? So say like, um, say I could see another version of myself, like my soul, but in another human suit on earth, like in this time space reality, is that possible (laughs) or no? You're you're asking me some great questions because, uh, yeah. I mean, this this... is what I'm curious about. Yeah. Well. You know, there's there, there's a reason you're curious because I'm sure, I'm sure your soul is going asking this question. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird thing for people to get their heads around, but yeah, your your soul inhabits your body, but your soul is really quite expansive, and a lot of old souls right now are in different places. You choose to inhabit maybe four, five, six other bodies mm-hmm. on the physical plane at the same time. So on Earth right now, there could be six versions of me. Yes. Yeah, I actually and, believe that, yeah. And th- th- there's a couple of reasons for that. The main reason is that we have uh, 
a rapidly increasing population over the last century. So, you know, it looks like that hockey stick graph where suddenly it's rising. If we continually then had new, very young souls coming in, we'd have a population that was 90% very, very young souls and 10% older souls. Mm. And so to keep the balance, older souls split off and they, they, they're in more places. And uh, the, uh, the other thing is that it leads to a lot of growth. You got um, because I've I've only had a couple of clients who really wanted to look at this, uh, but I find it fascinating. They're saying, "Okay, where where am I? Where else am I on the, the planet?" So, um, with one of the first one I, I looked at, she had very diverse lives. I mean, on the surface, it looked like it couldn't be more different. She was a a guy who was a steward on a cruise liner um, sailing out of Greece or somewhere. Um, I'm sort of floating around in the Aegean. And then uh, a woman who owns a restaurant just outside Mexico City. And then I forget what the other ones are. But each one of them was working on exactly the same fears and issues mm -hmm. because they have exactly the same past lives up until that point. Mm -hmm. And then split off. So they, they're all working on overcoming past life fear around rejection, for example, which would be to do with past life, life of abandonment or death alone. Uh, Wait, so if that the, were to happen, would they all die on the same day? No, okay. no. That, that's an interesting one because I asked the spirit guys, well, you know, what happens? I mean, like, do, do you just, are you, um, when it comes to death, I mean, like, do, do, are you then, is your soul choosing all these different places to go? They said, no, to put it really simply, what happens is that you wait until all those other aspects, all those both parts of you are back together on the astral plane basically you wait till everybody's died and um and then the soul is whole again as, as it were plans the next life and our lives may, may again split off and and be in other places it's a really weird concept it's hard to get your your head around yeah. i've not really felt um nobody or very rarely does anybody feel the effects of the other lives that you're you're living right now the only thing I can, I can remember one time um talking in paris i was walking on the street in paris and i got like this really strong feeling about already kind of being there another time i was walking along uh, walking on a street in new york and suddenly thought i was back in paris wow and so that was uh, that was before i was able to talk to uh, spirit guides and when i when i talked to them i said well you know you are living in Paris right now. And that was a little bit of a sort of bleed through. But for most people, they, you wouldn't really be aware of it. Yeah. Do you um, think also, that, oh, sorry, I was just going to say. I, one, one interesting thing just to add is that I said to the guys, so what, what happens like if you're in six different places, but one of you dies age seven and the other goes on to be 90? Does that soul, part of the soul, what does it do? Like it just has to wait and they said it's really hard to describe. These things are all energy. The spirit guides always say we have to use metaphors and find language that will make sense. They basically said, don't worry. Your soul is not going to be bored sitting there going, oh, my gosh, when are the rest going to die so I can you know, go back to the astral plane? They said, just don't worry about it. But it's along the lines of each of these parts will then come back together and form a whole. Sorry to cut you off there. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I think our I think time is really hard for like our human minds to figure out where it's not even an issue there. So yeah, we're like, but how? And they're like, it's 
you don't need to do that. Don't don't worry about it. And um, the question that I had was that if you were to meet one of yourselves, would you know? Like, would you look in the eyes and be like, oh my gosh, like, it's you or no? Yeah. Well, I, I've... Because I feel like I've seen it in other people where I'm like, oh, I think that you're this person, but like another version of them. Does that make sense? It's like totally. totally. Whatever your soul is, it's the same. When you meet somebody and you you feel that sense of familiarity and or or even if you look at a past life and you, you can just get the sense, I'm sure that's my sister in this life. You know, you just know there's a sort of knowing and basically the spirit world is, is feeding you and information as you're picking up these things i have uh, i've only come across i think maybe three or four people in in the time that i've been doing this work who have met other parts themselves it has to be agreement because if you think of it you know if you, if you are in mexico city and you're in greece and you're all over scattered all over the world you're not going to really chances of running into yourself just at random are, are very slim um, so it's by agreement, and it's usually when one or both need a radical change in their lives. The spirit guides call it the angel principle. It's nothing to do with religion, but it's uh, and we do the angel thing for for each other all the time. You know, it's where sometimes we we will just something we'll say we don't even think it's consequential, but it helps to change a person's perspective on things and change their life. Um, it's a way we are chal- we're actually channeling on behalf of somebody but that the sort of elevated version of that is when somebody is really stuck and then this other aspect of themselves it comes in but people think oh you know twin flames or something like this wouldn't it be so romantic to meet yourself i wouldn't really wish it on anybody i mean it's it's not really in my experience been a that great relationship i mean First of all, you're you're meeting yourself. It's kind of like a bit boring or something. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem to. I mean, even though you're a different person and everything, there's something there where none of the relationships seem to last for very long. That's often the thing with angels, anyway. It's like they come in just to to initiate. We do it for. We're all doing it. I mean, you've been an angel. I, you know, and other people have done it for you. Um, but yeah. Um, the short of this uh, is it doesn't always lead to any kind of long-term relationship. Uh, it doesn't preclude that, but I think in my so experience, too. it hasn't been that, that great. Yeah, I totally resonate with you that it's just there to kind of like cause a radical shift yeah. or like to wake you up to something. Yeah, that's it. And it mm-hmm. serves a purpose and then it like it can't. It, it, there's no purpose to keep it like there's no there's no other purpose i think mm-hmm. that's it yeah and i think it's confusing sometimes because people feel like whoa why do i have such a strong connection i must mm-hmm. be meant to be with this person but not necessarily it could be just showing you a different way of, of being sometimes it could be just a little bit of a you'll see it with rebound relationships mm-hmm. or something but it's showing you some kind of getting you out of a rut getting you showing you a different way that and i think yeah i think opening your eyes to what's possible or to I think in my experience, like waking up to this idea of like past lives and or just, you know, multi that we are multidimensional beings and that this mm-hmm. there's so much more than this going on. I think I think, yeah, there's reason. Well, I look back and, and, and for, you know, for a big chunk of my life, I just I didn't think there was anything beyond this, you know, like what we see. You know, I, I thought, uh, you know, people who were, were into religion spirituality were almost like weak-minded or something and you know 
now here I am talking to spirit guides and you know and feeling like I, in some ways I'm only scratching the surface you know mm-hmm. that there's it's like um, the iceberg sort of thing you know I just saw the top above above the water mm-hmm. and there's so much more beneath the surface mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't see it before but I think so many of us we just get we get locked into our beliefs or our understandings um, but it's a fascinating world it's a it's like a, an exploration with no end mm-hmm. yeah. I mean I just, uh, I mean I, I as you can probably tell I love my work I, mm-hmm. I, just, I love what I do so you know so fulfilling and uh, I, I meet great people and um, I can't believe the contrast you know when I look back at the old person I was it's like oh yeah and I was so sure of myself mm-hmm. you know, absolutely no belief in anything you know um yeah. yeah and I think the more you know the more you realize you don't know at least that's how uh, I am I'm like oh I see the tip but like I don't know anything about what's going on down there in the deep water by the iceberg you know there's so much right. to learn yeah um I just wanted to hit really quickly on spirit guides because that's where you get all of your information from right is mm-hmm. spirit guides yeah yeah so do you know how many you have do you call them something or do you just say spirit guides yeah, that's uh, people ask me that all the time. I, I joke about this that people will. Uh, I, I do an hour-long session with somebody, fifty-nine minutes into a sixty-minute session, they'll say, "Can you tell me who my spirit guides are?" I can't tell you how often that's happened. Mm-hmm. Usually, the answer is, of course, uh, no. We don't really have time there. Um, the it, it's when I work with my spirit guides. Um, if I'm helping somebody else to understand it, they want to talk about how you knew these spirit guides in this life or other lives, mm. uh, what they're here there to help you with. Um, so when I first started working with them, my uncle John passed me on really very quickly to these spirit guides. He's on the astral plane where, where we go between lives. We process this life, um, plan for the next. Uh, so he was there when I first spoke to him. He passed me on to guides that are on what they call the causal plane, which is um, where you really go when you've completed all of everything on the physical plane, everything on the astral plane, and you come more as a unit to act as uh, spirit guides. The difference between somebody like my uncle on the astral plane and the guides that I work with is in the, the perspective that on the astral plane you see a lot more than we do here, but you don't have all the answers. Whereas the causal plane guides, they know where you've been, they know where you're going, they know what your agreements are with other souls and so on and can really help you to sort of, you know, build that picture, explain your relationships and, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it is broader. It's a little more uh, challenging um, mm-hmm. to to connect with, but, uh, you know, it's, that's, you know, the whole thing in my purview is really, and that's what fascinated me. It's like, why are we the way we are? Mm-hmm. So, uh, how many we have? I don't even know. It, it changes. Um, it depends on on circumstances. Um, do you think they come and go? Well, they do. They come and go. I mean, I have the same core. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I've had a few shifts along the way. Just before I was writing my first book, um, I had this um, experience where the the spirit guides just shut down, and they said, "Okay, we want to give you like a few days." break and then they came back and just little things were, were different they mm. had, uh, I, the communication was a little bit clearer um, but even just the words they gave I think they were, I can't remember if it went from English English to American English or something like that but there was a little difference uh, there and it's happened a, a few times but then you know I paint and I bring in 
art guides mm. for that. I play Beautiful. music, so I'll bring in music guides for that. I don't do anything without bringing spirit guides in, but they're different groups or yeah. parts maybe different parts of that larger group. So they've never been interested in talking to me really about names, numbers. Um, and when I first started working with them, I said, well, what do I call you? Thinking it might be some sort of, you know, exotic title. Right. Said uh, spirit guides. And I went, okay. Right. So that's all I do. I just, you know, call them, call them spirit yeah. guides. What about work. genders? Are they like, do they have, do they, do they feel like they have like, not a gender, but are they more feminine or masculine? Can you pick up on that? Well, that's an interesting question because, uh, yeah, you 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 can. I certainly have clients who who have maybe spirit guides that that are on the astral plane that they have they have a connection with. I'm thinking of uh, one who was just uh, talking to earlier. Um, his um, his grandmother on, is on the other side, and uh, and she's she was. Um, I mean, in spirit, there's no gender. Uh, however, what spirits will do is often present themselves in the way that you knew them. So he he knew her as this Jewish mother, Jewish grandmother, um, and she presents herself like that first time he connected with her. It's all about, you know, hoping he'd find a nice Jewish girl to settle down with and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of it was she's presenting, you know, you, you get the sense of the, the gender and the person she was. But um, that's more like a, a way to sort of really create connection and make you feel like, yeah, I really know who this is. Even when I first started talking to my uncle John on the other side and was asking about planes that he'd flown, after a while he, he just second conversation about that he just went with john was just one in many lifetimes and i still remember what he said he said i'm, I'm really not that interested in talking about military hardware mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and i felt like oh it was slapped down a little bit you're like uh, you brought this up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but really yeah and it was like yeah i got the validation now move on you know mm. uh, so so yeah. interesting yeah i feel like and i may be very mistaken in this um because I'm still trying to figure out how to like connect with my spirit guides and what yeah. that looks like. And for me, I've seen like not seen, but like seen. Um, mm. It's always feminine. It's always like very feminine. And it always feels like three, like 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 two and then one. And I don't know why. Yeah. And so, and I don't know if that's just something like my mind is making up or something. And so, yeah, I was just so curious to know if that was a thing because that's always how I see it and that's always how I feel it. But. I, I think that's absolutely. I would just trust your 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 gut on that one. It it feels right. Um, I think you're absolutely right. You've got those. Um, it's very common to have, you know, a few spirit guides, especially the astral plane ones, where you you feel a presence like that, but. Although I'm saying like the causal plane guides are tend to, they tend to be more of a group. Um, when I was well years ago, I had a, an office in an old coffee roastery. I had a big couch there, and one um, technique which was, works for a lot of people they call it dialoguing. It's a way to communicate with your spirit guides. Where I would picture them on the couch. I would picture three or four spirit guides sitting there. Um, I mean, obviously it's, it's weird, but these invisible entities, I'd pic picture them sitting there and I would address them as, as if there were people in sitting on the sofa. And so the, the technique, and this is a great way to sort of begin 
communicating with your spirit guides is to offer observations, not questions, but just to throw out a few things, like whatever's on your mind, to sort of say, well, I'm thinking about this. And then just as if you're having a conversation, go with whatever just you feel. Give it a few seconds and then just go, you know, it could be like a, a, the example I've always used is a, a, because it was the first conversation. I, I said, I'm thinking about having a vacation. I gave it a few seconds and then I, I said, oh, you know, I, I, I'm talking to Paris, which we haven't been. I was saying I haven't been to Paris for a long time. Maybe I'll go there. And then we'll pause and go, yeah, if I'm going to go there, of course, I should go and see family and friends in, in the UK. And uh, then a little pause. And then. Oh, you know, October would be a good time. Fares would be a little cheaper. I'll have more time off. And and it was a short conversation like that. And what I'm getting is I'm getting a little feedback from the guides. But the, the final analysis was, you know, I'll take a vacation. I'll go to France. I'll go to England, uh, maybe Scotland. And I'll do it in October. It seems like very mundane stuff. But what was happening is it teaching me to, to um, pick up on these little cues. So it sounds like a one-sided conversation, but you're actually you're being fed information from the other side mm-hmm. there's a few i mean we are all different and you know for some people just sitting there and trying to clear your mind and hopefully talk to the spirit world is really hard and sometimes it can work better distracting the left side of the brain if you can maybe go for a walk or <clears throat> i find a lot of people can get into the zone on a treadmill Mm, because interesting. You're, you're, you're like a hamster in a wheel. You're you're distracting the rational part of the brain. You're getting into that sort of zone, and sometimes that's when things will, will come. I often um, hear people talking about connecting with a deceased relative while they're chopping vegetables or washing dishes. You know, kitchen seems to be a popular place for spirits to pop in and say hi. Mm-hmm. But it's to do with just doing something a little bit maybe repetitive, not really requiring much. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just in that slightly altered state, mm-hmm. like with your brain waves, where you can where you can actually yeah. pick up, yeah, pick up signals yeah. that are coming in. That's so interesting. That's so when you work with someone doing a session, are you communicating with their guides, or are you communicating with your your guides and their guides, and your guides are like in a little powwow, and then like how does that work? And <laughs> that really is exactly how it oh, works. Oh, it is. Now, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, people have always asked me that. Are you talking to my guides or your guides? Well, I'm talking to mine because we have a... You've uh, established communication. Yes, you know yeah. They, I mean, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that's why I was saying it was, I would get that anxiety sometimes from having unfamiliar spirit guides coming in. Mm-hmm. So with the ones I work with, uh, we have shorthand phrases. We have uh, often like a single word will speak a thousand, you know, because... I don't have to have them tell me a great long story to explain something that is familiar or has come up before. Sometimes they'll even refer me to an old a session I did with somebody else to say, oh, this is analogous to that, remember that person you talked to. Mm. It all saves a lot of time. Um, one example uh, I was talking about in my new book is that uh, Maya Angelou had that famous quote, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And so if I was working with somebody and what the spirit guides wanted to say was this person keeps um, missing or, or ignoring warning signs at the at the early stages of relationships. They've, they've got a pattern. It comes from, again, it's a past life issue a lot of people have. Um, you know, they'll, they'll make pretty poor 
relationship choices because they're not they're not paying attention to when some when somebody shows them who they are. They want it to to work out, so they ignore the bad behavior and so on. So um, rather than you know go into that, the spirit guides would just say to me, Maya. Just give me the single word Maya, and I go, oh, okay, right. This person, you know, needs, yeah. needs to learn to attention. So, um, yeah, so it's very much a style. So they, the way they present it is that they're talking to your spirit guides. Mm-hmm. That seems to be how it works. Yeah, that's beautiful. So are your spirit guides, did they walk you through, um, like, everything that you put in the book, the instruction with, like, the soul ages and the unique soul type? Did they... Did you download all of that through them? Yeah, I downloaded that after they, the, when they shut down for a few days mm-hmm. um, and then opened up. And then it was to give me the, the you know, I downloaded the, the instruction, which was, you know, kind of interesting. And there's, a, there's many sort of working parts there. People often say to me, oh, I love your book. It's so well organized. And I go, well, you got the spirit guides to thank for that because I am not organized. <laughs> and I am... You know, and I'm a, I'm a sort of creative person. I mean, you know, the inside of my head is just swirling with ideas and thoughts and stuff. And yeah, that's me. I mean, I'm, I'm, as my wife describes me, I'm lightly tethered to the physical plane. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't describe myself as organized, but I have these um, spirit guides. I've often said, um, my grandfather used to say to me, uh, he would just look at me. I, I don't know, I've probably done something stupid. He'd just look at me and he'd say, you know, one day you'll make a damn fine shepherd. All you'll need is an intelligent dog. And I mm-hmm. and I feel I have the intelligent dogs on the other side. I have these spirit guides. So, yeah, the whole method was um, was uh, channeled fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some, some arguments about terms and, you know, words that uh, they, they would insist on using. And sometimes I, I would change them a, a little bit. So there was a sort of discussion. Um, you know, I, I sometimes I didn't like terms that they would use, and, and or they would not like my interpretation of something. So we have, we hashed it out mm-hmm. together. It took a few weeks, I think, um, in total. But once I had it down, it was like, uh, you know, I found the system to be pretty much infallible. You yeah. know, so I've not found any, uh, you know, glaring omissions or errors yeah. in it. It's a way to figure out your life plan. I think so too. Yeah. I would recommend everyone obviously follow Ainsley, but read the book, the instruction. That's when I was like hooked because yeah, it put things in a very organized and digestible way. And also I felt like I had a lot much more um, clarity and compassion um, in just viewing everyone and recognizing that we're not here to do the same thing. Like we can all, you know, we can all stay in our lanes and I don't have to like should you to do anything and like I we can all just allow each other to be but also um seeing people with more compassion who maybe are just a younger soul and it like it doesn't have to be a thing right like people who especially where I live um we were talking about that that are maybe stuck in patriarchy or this religion that I don't understand but just knowing that like they're where they need to be you know like everything is on time and this is their soul's age and this is what they're here to experience and hopefully we all evolve. We're all evolving, right? I think it leads to so much uh, greater compassion, acceptance, and certainly understanding. The only thing is that, you know, I always caution that 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 doesn't mean that it's okay to say it's okay to act badly. No, not at all. That doesn't doesn't mean just because you're an old soul and you support the patriarchy that that's a good thing. 
um, it actually is very important for older souls to show the way. I think just like you were saying, that's why some of us are split in five, you know, just to like try to help move things forward by speaking up. Yeah. Yes. Even a little bit of a a rescue mission, you know, older souls, you know, seeing that the, that the, the world is, you know, it's, it's not meant to be this way and it's, uh, uh, it needs it needs uh, some major changes. I mean, that's what's happening right now. It's a transformation. That was the theme of my second book, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, this shift in consciousness that's happening right now. I always say, you know, the old soul should should uh, show the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like um, just be, you know, if your seven year old flushes your watch down the toilet, you you don't go, oh bless her socks, right. and she's she's just seven. You go, okay. She's just seven, and so we've got to take that into consideration. But hey, it's not okay to flush my watch right. down. But, Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, I love that you said. I think it was an Instagram post where you said, "What do Jesus Christ, MLK, and Gandhi have in common?" And you're like, "It what? It wasn't political apathy, right? Like they were right. activists, and that's beautiful. They were showing the way and waking people up." That is so important, you know, because what I get from the spirit guides. Uh, is that what we you know what we think of as spiritual is not necessarily spiritual like just because you meditate doesn't mean that makes you suddenly spiritual you can be you can meditate and be a total jerk you know so um what they say is that you know what we're drawn to and consider spiritual meditation yoga whatever it is that is really important very important stuff I mean, we should all meditate. Um, it's, you know, the key to really connecting with the other side. Uh, we should all be doing this sort of stuff, but it's a means to an end. And mm-hmm. to be a truly spiritual person, it, it's really about affecting other people positively. That and and so, um, you know, I I talk about this in my new book, in the Old Souls Guidebook. That uh, somebody wrote to me after I I wrote a sort of political blog post and somebody wrote saying um i wish you'd keep your nose out of american politics Ooh. Uh, <laughs> well, i'm a young soul saying that yeah that's... she's actually an, an old soul she actually oh, got, really? she'd, she'd, she'd read that and actually got in touch just recently going hey i was the person who said that to you mm-hmm. and but you know like a lot of um a lot of old souls you know there's you've been around the block so many times and sometimes you just don't want to be involved. It's just like, oh gosh, do I have to? Like again? But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, well, yeah, I mean, the way the the, the, the word the, the guides would use, they say it's incumbent upon you. It's an old soul. You've got to show the way and and make a difference. Like mm-hmm. I said, the world's not meant to be this way and it mean, it, it, we really need to work on improving it. Um, you know, you mentioned the patriarchy. We absolutely need to, to end that. I mean, that's, you know, from Mm -hmm. a spiritual point of view, that's just ridiculous. But it kind of stems from younger souls. Younger souls want certainty. They want their their gods to be strong and male. And they they want their, unfortunately, they want their leaders often to be the same way. Um, It's all fear-based. And, uh, but but that's, you know, God, look at what's happening in the world right now. And, uh you know it doesn't necessarily have to be that way right. and also you know the the control you know i mean you know religion itself i mean we were talking before we started about religion and spirituality you know the difference between the two and 
you know, it's a place for both, but they're not the same thing. Exactly. And older souls tend to be more spiritual. Younger souls prefer the, the comfort and certainty of religion. Mm-hmm. That certainty. I, yeah, you're right. That's so uh, interesting. They don't like the, the questions the same thing. Yeah. The, the old soul goes, you know, don't fence me in. I want freedom. I want to think for myself and so on. Exactly. There's nothing that makes me more uncomfortable than fencing me in. I'm like, <laughs> my skin starts crawling. And that yeah. would very often come after a past life of enslavement or imprisonment, yeah. especially. That's where always, you know, you, you the, the phrase associated with somebody who's suffered that lack of freedom in a past life is don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, tells them rather than asking them they get triggered souls reminded Mm -hmm. that lack of power Mm -hmm. and you know what i think because i have that i don't know what my past life is but um i don't like people telling other people what to do too so like say i don't know say my husband is like telling his sibling what to do and i'm like don't tell him you know i'm just like oh like don't fence us in don't fence anyone in you know i that's just a silly example no but that is great because that that's um the old soul empathy and so that's the one thing that I find, you know, it's a, that's one of the signs of being an older soul, that when it comes to something like that, you're concerned, it's not just about your own experience, but you're concerned about somebody else and how they're being allowed to, to express their freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, the, anyone who's been disempowered in a past life will want to have um, a lot more freedom in this life. I usually talk about, you'll see signs like the, the love horse riding, surfing, skiing, driving a convertible, driving the windows down um cycling running whatever it is it's an expression of freedom that they could only have dreamed of when they were on the slave farm or whatever was Mm. was happening in the in the past life right now you've got a lot of young souls um acting out because of they're they're triggered in that one particular area but this freedom ultimately should always come with responsibility Mm. so what several older souls would say you know, I want a lot of freedom in my life, but I also recognize my responsibility to uh, allow other people to have freedom. It's very much a two-way street. Mm-hmm. The other souls are going, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm basically, I don't care um, mm-hmm. about you. They, they lack the empathy. It's that, that ability to see that, well, it's not just about about you. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think you're so right, Ainsley, that it's not just about like being like, quote unquote, woke. Like I, my friends and I always say that we don't, lack enlightenment we lack follow-through so we can do yoga and meditation and like plant medicine and whatever you know but it's just like where's the follow-through where are the actions like how are we moving the world forward so well that's really i think that's wonderful i mean i love to hear that because that is the that's the point of doing it yeah yeah and how are you going to make a make a difference what you know how are you going to be of service in this world ideally everyone is here to express who they are and that involves uh, influencing other people for for the the best. Now, mm-hmm. there's all different ways we can do that. I mean, you could be here to be, you know, a healer, but uh, you can, you can influence the world through uh, being an artist, for example. You can put your work on people's walls; it elevates their consciousness uh, and so on. Um, so there's all different ways we can do it, but we should all be doing something. And the person who says, "Well, I'm not political. I don't care." That's fine. That's a choice that that you're making. That's fair enough. But usually it's a sign of entitlement because it's a little bit like saying, well, I don't have to be political because I'm not being in any way marginalized or persecuted. Right. You know, I've got money in the bank and, you know, I'm white or, or whatever. 
Um, but, you know, well, that's fine. But, you know, out there, there are children being trafficked. There's <sighs> children in cages being separated from the families at the border. Appalling stuff. And, I feel the exact same way. Just like, oof, yeah, like we've got You know, to we do. should all be at the very least talking about that. Um, that's one of the reasons my spirit guides talk about blogging all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, 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 I joked that they, I think that like everyone to blog, they, they've often said, you know, everyone can be a published author through blogging. You know, it's never been a time in history when it's been so easy to get your thoughts out and influence others. And I think like spirits thoughts out because I think when we're, it's like you were saying when we're like chopping vegetables or, or doing something like that, like writing, I find like so much comes out when I'm just like automatic writing, right? Just like yes, writing, yeah. writing, writing. So yeah, like if we all just had like a blog, I think so much truth could channel through right there. Absolutely. Once you start getting into the habit of it, it's amazing how things will start to, to flow. Um, my wife does this all the time. She just kind of just she will she will journal and just really just see what comes. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a way to let your spirit guides put their thoughts out and, mm -hmm. you know, to, a, another way to work with your guides. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love your wife already. She and I have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, just really quickly. So I am so curious. I feel like I've read your books and I have like intuitive hits about things. But yeah. when you look at me, like, do you know how old my soul is? Do you know my soul type? Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, you're actually uh, a really old soul. Um, you're, you're a level 10 soul. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, you look at, uh, you might have thought you were a little bit younger because of, uh, well, there's some some different things. One one is that your soul type, the core of who you are, is what mm. they call spiritualist, and that's where you get that interest in spirituality from. But also where you'll get like motivation to make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people with that very strong spiritualist think they're a level nine soul, but you're actually right up there. And one thing, and and I checked on this before with uh, the call, and I've noticed this with people. When my new book, the, the Old Souls Guidebook, came out, um, I, I did a, a lot of podcast interviews. And I discovered that, that everyone that was interviewing me is working through a past life fear of rejection. And Ainsley, is that true for me? It's true for you. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I have this thing yeah. with being seen. Like, I don't, does that make sense? But I think it is that rejection. That's that's absolutely what I find is that there's usually the same fears about putting stuff out in the world. You know, I see it with writers all the time. Um, one of the fears is rejection. What if people don't like me? Judgment. You know, what if I get all this criticism? Self-expression. What if I get noticed and something bad happens? And usually inferiority. Who am I to be writing in the first place? You know, the, the typical fears. The rejection comes comes up from it's it's so often a past life where you died alone. Um, I see people dying on the battlefield. They'll always have that uh, rejection. The tendency is to feel like a little bit of an outsider or, or like you don't really fit in. Now, the level 10 soul turning up in a young soul part of the world, like, like you've done, that offers immense growth because you have to really... Um, I have to face like being you, rejected. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. You've got the, 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 the one big thing that your soul would want to, to avoid, you have the highest chance of encountering. But um, you have to work through this. Uh, it's a weird thing, but I, I often say with, you know, level 
Ten Souls, you'd think you would come into, you know, family which really, you know, warm, fuzzy, supportive in every kind of way. But in fact, you will come into that younger soul, uh, often a little bit of dysfunction or they don't get you or whatever. And it gives you a springboard. It gives you something to push against. And some of the really big lessons are about learning to follow your own path and, you know, to, to recognize that, yeah, their, their way is not your way. I mean, of course, there's the other thing, the old soul coming into the younger soul family is to help elevate their consciousness Mm -hmm. as well. Interesting. Do you know where that past life was, where I was like, felt that rejection or died alone? Does anything come up there? Um, Yeah, actually, it's um, the, I wish I'd checked the the location. It's somewhere weird like Madagascar. uh, Really? It's like, um, but it was an accident. It was like... um, Ending up uh, drowning, actually, and uh, ending up on a beach. Do you have any fear around water? Yep. I literally, I have a little note next to me. And just this morning, I was, I did your meditation from page 16. And I was just writing down, like, fears that I had, like, weird fears. And it was that, absolutely, like, oceans and drowning. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, absolutely. You washed, you washed up on a beach, basically. Um you know, seeing the body sort of on on the on the beach. So I think it was like falling off the back of a ship or something. It was like a freak accident. I and it, uh, and I, it's come up before because when I've been like on a rafting trip, like on a boat, yeah. I've like tipped over before, and like it was the scariest thing of my whole life. So like that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Your soul would immediately go into that panic, like, oh my god, you know, we're we're going to die. I found that um, people who drowned in the past life. Um, yeah, well, obviously, they, they, there's there's a fear of deep, dark water. Yes. If it's been the ocean that you drowned in. Yes. Um, I'll tell you another weird thing connected with that is that I found a few people who drowned in past lives, and they have a story. I maybe heard this three or four times, where, and it's all roughly the same kind of thing. It's being like a small child in a little paddling pool, you know, like the inflatable pool, and slipping under the water, starting to drown, and not trying to save themselves because the soul goes, hmm, oh, this is just what happens. We just mm-hmm. drown, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's nothing we can do about it. And right. then you know, they'll say, oh, you know, somebody noticed me slipping under the water or saw that I was drowning. Um, so the, the, the soul, sometimes it has that fatalism. Uh, but yeah, deep, dark water, you know, not like the, sometimes the ocean can feel like uh, a bit weird. But I wanted to say about um, uh, rejection. And why I would see that in podcasters is that you're, you're, you've known what it's like to feel like basically in that case you died alone and uh, that feels like you know abandonment. You know, however your soul perceives it. it could be feeling abandoned by the world or maybe no one came looking for you or maybe you felt abandoned by God if that was your belief. You know, So um, how you heal that, I mean obviously the quickest way is just to find a past life. But um, a way to heal that is to belong, because when you when if you belong to groups um, and or any kind of community and find that you're not going to be rejected, it's a way to overcome that rejection. Your soul learns like, oh well, we can be part of something, and we can trust people to be there for us. But the sort of elevated way to heal that is to be the uniter. Mm. So this is where I saw it with podcasters trying to bring the tribe together. Be bringing together because you're an older soul or a very old soul you're going to be bringing together most more old souls mm-hmm. 
most, I would imagine most of the people that you would be uh, drawing into your sphere of influence would be ones who wouldn't be particularly freaked out by my message or, or something because they would tend to be older souls that would be more curious about it or maybe it would resonate with them more than it would do with, with younger souls. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, I think you hit, yeah, you hit the nail. Um, because I think being born into this community, it's there was a big like very strong community and it's like you wanted to belong and at the same time I was born into a very big family and I think that fear of not wanting to be alone and not wanting to be rejected I think it was a little scarier to like carve out my own path and to like absolutely face rejection um but then in my work right now and I always call it that that like my tribe and like bringing people together and like trying to foster this community that I didn't have that I want you know that I don't want people to be alone in this You've hit the nail on the head. It's uh, it's a spiritual act, and a spiritual act is always something where you heal yourself by helping those who suffer as you once did. Mm. So, in your terms, what you're doing is it's, you're healing your um, your own issue around rejection and abandonment, um, and bringing people in who need to feel like they're part of something mm-hmm. where they, they belong. So, mm-hmm. everybody benefits. It's a it's a wonderful thing. So Real interesting. There. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, so a spiritualist. Um, I had a creator next below that. What do you think? Do you think that's, that's right? You're spot on. Like a um, spiritualist creator, then maybe leader. The, below that, absolutely. Uh, the the spiritualist creator combination is one that I see every day okay. in level ten souls. It's by far and away the most common combination, and the reason for that is that the creator by choosing. Uh, the spiritualist, you know, in past lives, you were a healer, contemplative, you know, sort of priest, doctor, that kind of thing. Usually sort of different variations of that. Um, the creator, you were a creative person, way, an artist or, you know, something like that. But the sensitivity associated with creators, that sensitivity that that imbues you with pushes you pushes the spiritualist into the next realm with the intention of making this a much more intuitively led life. Mm -hmm. So it takes that whole spiritualist intuition and interest in spirituality to a higher level. And then, uh, yeah, absolutely, as a leader influence. um, that, And, of of course, I mean, again, just look at what you're doing. You know, you are leading. And that thing you said about the tribe, absolutely uniting the tribe Mm -hmm. and you being the person, you know, you'd expect you to have a leader influence or something very similar, and uh, but but you do. There's there's actually um, there's a couple of other things that show up, and one one thing that plays into it's the the performer, mm-hmm. uh, but a performer influence, and actually it's related to one of the fears you're trying to work through in this life, which I think you touched on. It's a fear of self-expression. Mm-hmm. It comes from having been persecuted in a past life. You you. Uh, maybe you wrote something, said something, you got in trouble. And uh, one of the things, unfortunately, that you're, you're up against is that your soul, your soul is pushing you out there. To influence other people, you need to be noticed. Um, you can't do this from a back room somewhere, you, you know, or, or being invisible. But your soul also goes, if we, if we put ourselves out there. We'll be seen. We'll be seen. Yeah. The, seen is it comes from this past life of persecution you stood out you got noticed and you got your head knocked off or something did something i off. really get my head knocked off 
Well, I don't know. I okay. mean that metaphorically, okay. but um, yeah, it could be. Well, you know, if you've been if you've been beheaded in a past life, you'll know it because you'll have neck and shoulder pain. That's a. That's I don't. A, I don't know if I have. I guess I do have that. I do have this fear of like turtlenecks or things touching well, that, my I neck. Gonna say, I was going to say that in your case, I'm not getting beheading, but I'm certainly getting hanging. Yeah. And that's the very typical thing. Yeah. A discomfort. I feel like or, it was like a Salem witch or something. I don't know. Yeah, something. That's it's that kind of. It'll be something similar to that. You stood out, but yes, it's it's the hanging. It's uh, um, and that, the interesting thing about that is that yeah, you will probably get some some neck pain. You won't want to wear turtlenecks. You won't want to wear tight jewelry or heavy, mm-hmm. even exactly. heavy because it's a reminder. Um, but it also it's all to do with the throat chakra and learning to really speak your truth. And this is where I'm always blocked whenever I see someone with like Reiki or I just had my like aura read the other day and they said it was all throat that I was blocked. It's absolutely. I think it's one of the biggest, uh, biggest lessons that you're really working through in this life is about learning to speak your truth Mm. and uh, and recognize that you're safe in this life. You know, you're not going to get hanged like you did before because of your political opinions or whatever it, it might have been or being who you were. So is, um, is healing that just challenging that, like that fear of being seen for self-expression and just doing well, it anyways? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it, of course. Uh, it is what you're working on. And the fact that you even have the performer in your soul types is usually a sign. You learn to be a performer through past lives as a, an actor, singer, dancer. You know, it's all about expression and so on. And, and that's a bit of a giveaway sometimes. You know what's so interesting? Sorry, I just interjected. You just said that because I don't dance at all in this life. But, like, I always feel like I could or, like, but I did trap this trapeze school um, when oh. I was in New York City once. And all of the instructors were like, how long have you been doing this? Like, you're a natural. I'm like, I've never done it before. So maybe, maybe I was a circus, a circus yeah. performer. I don't know. Oh, sure. I mean, you have to learn. To, you, you, exactly. You, you have to learn to be that performer. See, of course, yeah, you've had many lifetimes. And if you look back a few hundred years, well, circus performance, what a great way to, to do it. Yeah. And that, and you're hitting on something really important, the, that when, you, when you're drawn to an activity and you're really good at it, really from the get-go, and it can be anything. It could be as a hands-on healer. It could be as a musician. Um, if it just comes really easy, it's a sign you've done it before. Or something very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you're drawing all, all these abilities. All talents are past life related. You had to learn how to be good at, at something. So whenever you see someone who just has a an immediate talent for, for something, they just take to it. It's a sign that they've done it before. And the great thing then is you can find a past life, you can explore that past life, and you draw even more of that talent in. I, I, I took up, um, I, I played bass guitar and I have played ukulele uh, for years. I played bass guitar almost all my life. I mean, I think since I was 14 or 15, mm-hmm. and, uh, I still do. Uh, but I had never played regular guitar. And I, um, my wife bought me one for, for my birthday for four years ago. And <clears throat> so I just got in, in, in this feeling, I really, really need to play flamenco or some of that sort of style. And so uh, we go to the guitar shop, and I just pick up the instrument, and I start playing. Um, I'm very, I mean, I, I only really knew a few chords. I'd been a bass player, but I hadn't really ever been, been a guitar player. Um, but I just sort of started playing, and um, my wife's chatting to the sales guy and says, uh, do you 
do you play? He goes, I do. He says, but nothing like this guy. <laughs> I was going, damn, mm-hmm. that's my first, first time out. But it was like, uh, yeah, it was Dr. Walter kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't mean that in a braggy sort of no, way, but it's all. just something like it just felt like natural. You know, I, I did feel, well, I've done this before. And then I checked it out. And sure enough, I found it was a short life, but a life in Spain where I play guitar. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to use that, you know, tap into that. And we can all do that with with fast lives. You know, we're able to draw the energy mm-hmm. out. It can, you know, I found that people often, if they had a lot of past lives um, as a healer, mm-hmm. often when it comes to something like energy healing, they are they're natural. Mm-hmm. They don't have to learn about modality. They just basically need to put their hands on somebody, and it will flow. You'd be able to do that. You have you have everything that you need for that. I feel that. I like yeah. hands are a big thing, and just like the laying on of hands and healing, I feel Absolutely. that for sure. Yeah, you're, you're, you're you'd be a natural. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I usually look for. There's four things I look for in somebody who can heal through their 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 hands, heal through their body. It's really to be able to act as a conduit. And I always look for those two things: spiritualist and creator, which we talked about, and then two talents, which for you are very very strong. They're uh, empathy and intuition mm-hmm. and you, you're able to tie those four elements always show up in the in healers mm-hmm. or, or, or you know the the sort of energy type healers mm-hmm. yeah interesting oh beautiful did anything else show up when you were talking to your guides about me well that was i think the main thing was that uh you know the this this whole thing about you know this the purpose in this life is to be like a pipe piper, you know, like draw people, draw the tribe together. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a few other things that will will organically just sort of happen. Um, there are books that you will write, um, and so <laughs> you know, uh, definitely. And I and and the word books plural came up, so it's not just one. Interesting. So, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, have you have you thought about writing yeah, one? I have. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about, and I think, yeah, I felt that intuitively, and then someone else told me that. I think someone who maybe deals with like numerology. Um, so yeah, that I I don't know when that will be, but I maybe you know. I don't know, but I don't. Well, it's, that. since I got from it, that's why I'm saying it will probably just be kind of organic because I didn't get any sense of like, oh my god, you need to be doing this in the next month or you're you're missing the boat. I got the sense that no, it will just feel it'll feel the right sort of time. Mm-hmm. That um, and you'll probably right about now is the time to start collecting ideas, start to really sort of just you know you're at the early stages, um, but it's definitely you know very much um, supported. Mm-hmm. There, there there is a an opportunity for you to be uh, to really get noticed. I mean to sort of you know. You build things to a, to a point where you're you're very well known, and this is to do with um, it's a couple of things that show up in your life plan as well. They call it a desire for immortality. Nothing to do with living forever, but it's all about leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. The intention, soul's intention, uh, is to get to the end of this life and really be able to say, "Well, the world's a better place for." Mm, I love that. Efforts. Yeah. yeah, and the other things associated with this, and of course, this is where you've got like this real push and pull is you have something called the desire for fame Hmm. it means that what your soul has recognized is that to be most effective and to complete your life plan people will have to know you and 
then <laughs> the problem is this happens with people who have the performer in their soul times. Is I don't that want to that, be seen. Yeah. You know, well, it's what if it's egotistical? Oh, interesting. To do that. That's usually that little voice. Oh, to be, you know, to want to reach a huge audience. Well, it's maybe coming from ego. The point is, having a desire for fame is meant to ensure that you don't push away attention when it comes your way. Mm. The, the block is not from from who you are or desires or soul types. It's coming from the fear. It's the fear of self-expression. Mm. Like you know, and that's the that's the the the, the issue here. That the, the fear would say it's not safe to be out there noticed. But everything in your life plan is saying, well, if we're going to be effective and do all the things we're supposed to do, we have to uh, we have to be very well known. Interesting. Yeah, wow. that is fascinating. Fascinating. It's, 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 and the interesting thing too is it's early days. I mean, you've got um, you know, uh, I mean, where this will go, well, even the spirit guides wouldn't wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely the opportunity to make a. Really, that's what you want. You want to make a a big impact on the world. Mm -hmm. Really, um, you know, especially after things like that life where you drowned. You're you're relatively young. You didn't get a chance to do the things that you're meant to be doing. So this life then becomes making up for some lost time Mm -hmm. and wanting to be really effective. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, so what's called a past life fear of failure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think I'm in the level 10 for a while? Like I'll kind of sit here for a few more lifetimes or what do you think? Um, It's very hard to tell. Um, You're right towards the end of the journey, but you literally don't know until you go to the the astral plane when you process this life. And yeah, you're so close to the end of the journey that more than likely could even be your last life. I I feel that. I feel what I feel is like, I remember graduating high school and being like, could you imagine going all the way to kindergarten and having to do this all again? And I was like, oh, it was like my biggest fear. And that's how I feel. Not a fear, but just like, I maybe have one more after this. Maybe I could squeeze some. I don't know. Like, I'm like, yeah, that, pretty... you're, you're expressing something that I hear from old souls. Absolutely. Really old souls will say things like when I tell them they're yeah, it could be your last life. Like, oh, great. I know, I just, just like, thank goodness. <laughs> God, uh, I just want to go home is what's, what oh, people... Ainsley, I say that all the time. All the time, my husband, I'm like, I want to go home. I want to go it's home. It's not so funny. I mean, it's yes. really... To hear late, really late I feel level... I like cry about it. Yeah, I just want to go home. Saying, calling, the, calling the other side home. Boy, that really speaks volumes. Yeah, you're probably done here. Um, also, that whole thing about, um, you know, going from childhood through to the, the autonomy of adulthood... That is so hard, especially when you have a leader in you, because you have to, you know, you have to almost like, like suck I have to play up. pretend. I have to like be the kid that's, again. Yeah, that's totally what it's like. Absolutely, it's, uh, you know, it's like uh, I don't know if you ever saw the series Third Rock from the Sun, but I never did. A young younger kid, Tommy, who's uh, he's actually hundreds of years old having to be a kid you know so mm-hmm. it's that sort of idea you're really old so i came across it yesterday with somebody i was working with and looking at the, the children i was i was saying you know this one child is having a real problem leader type you know having a real problem being a kid and this person was going oh my gosh you know you, yeah you've no idea it's really it's like a five-year-old going you know i'm treating and, and yes he was saying like you know the, the child really wants to be treated as an adult well, of course, you know, you're thousands of years old. 
and having to come in and be told what to do, especially as a leader type, oh my God, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's grueling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I always picture the old soul baby kind of coming into this world and kind of looking at itself and going, oh, Jesus crap, I'm a baby again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like it seemed like a good idea on the astral plane. Exactly. You know, all the decisions you make about coming into this life are very pragmatic. It's mm-hmm. just your soul. Well, we need to work on this. We need to learn this. And uh, here are circumstances that will help us to do that. Right. And but, there's no uh, emotional like attachment to uh, it of like, oh, that uh, would be so hard. It's just like, no, otherwise let's do we it. Would, yeah. Otherwise, we'd be all choosing to be millionaires in very comfortable parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, But everybody has to have a soul. And so your soul quite simply goes, okay, well, we need to still learn. We need to learn about rejection. So what a great way is it's a really old soul to come into a mom and family and uh, with younger souls, we're going to get some really, really big lessons there. Mm-hmm. It's all pra- pragmatic. And that's why sometimes when you get here, the soul can feel like, oh, no, like let's, this is uh, much tougher than I thought it would, mm-hmm. it would you know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, beautiful. Ainsley, thank you so much. It was such a delight to talk to you. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. I mean, it's um, really, it's been a delight and love your questions. I mean, just this is, uh, yeah. Well, I'm still a curious soul. (laughs) Um, Do you have any advice or direction for someone who wants to dive deeper into all of this or to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Just check out my website, Mm ainsleymcleod.com. Or I have a fabulous membership program. This is a, this is talking of the old soul bringing people yeah. together. Um, it's the Soul World community. Um, these are older souls. I always say people who you can talk to about spirit guides without them thinking you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have um, in the in the program we have every month we have a theme. We have a class to start the the month. We have a a monthly regression. We have a long Q&A every month. We've got daily messages from the spirit guides, and we have a very active forum. Um, it's it's it, the loads of content, lots happening. We've got archives. Beautiful. Uh, it's really affordable. So soulworld.com. Yeah, I'm it's, definitely checking that out, especially because I do want that sense of like not being alone. That yeah, I think it could be so beautiful and helpful for me. As such well. a such an important thing, you know, having for an old soul having that community. Because the tendency with that fear is to isolate and Mm -hmm. to be a loner. You have to work on it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, Ainsley, thank you so, so, so very much. Well, thank you so much. It was a delight. It was an absolute delight. (laughs) And I will, I'll share all your information so that my listeners can connect with you more easily. Well, that's wonderful. I'm sure we'll do this again. I think we will too. It was wonderful. All right. Well, take care. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Cafe Binge Podcast. Until next time, may you notice all the wonderful, beautiful, binge-worthy parts of your day. Squeeze out every last drop, taste them, cherish them, because life was meant to be beautiful. Find me at cafebinge.com or on Instagram at cafebinge.com.